Welcome to Tabletop Players. My name is Rune Ortega, and in this episode, I'm taking a critical look at Power Rangers by Renegade Games Studios. Joined with me, as always, is my co-host, Cade. Hi, I'm Cade, reviewing Power Rangers. Jaden? I'm going to stick with my yes. I think that's going to be my thing now. I like it. I like it. It's good. It's just, you know, it's very uh, succinct. <laughs> and Jody? Hello. Uh, yeah, this is actually uh, continuing our... Um, trend of recording things in the same room for the first time ever because we decided we were just going to do them all so doing it all doing it live but yeah so we are here to take a critical look at power rangers and uh we have a bunch to say so to get us started out here um let's go over some overview i think we'll do some overview first i was going to ask for you guys' you know first impressions but i think we can skip that because we're gonna have a lot to say uh, so, Power Rangers, the role-playing game, was released February 18th, 2022, so it is very new. It is by Renegade Game Studios, and it uses their own custom Essence 20 role-playing system, which they have created for a handful of different systems, all around the Hasbro-licensed properties. So, you have this, you have Transformers, you have G.I. Joe, uh, and I believe even My Little Pony uses this system. <laughs> Um, it is based on the long-running franchise by Haim Saban, uh, which itself uh, it owes its creation to the original Super Sentai by, uh, I believe it's pronounced Toei Company mm -hmm. in Japan. Uh, and although the core book focuses mainly on the Mighty Morphin era, it promises to address all eras eventually. Uh, interestingly, though, the art appears to be mainly taken from the comic books and the expanded universe, uh, which is kind of a retelling of the original Mighty Morphin era, or sometimes I think they call it the Zordon era. Uh, and it is a retail price of 50 to 60 Canadian dollars. Is Zordon not in the later ones? No, he uh, dies uh, aboard a spaceship ship after being captured, and they basically have to be like, sorry, Zordon, we have to sacrifice you so that we can survive. Is he actually a person, or is he just a head in a jar? Well, I think it depends. So in the, in the non-canonical uh, movie... Yeah. Uh, which we all yeah. love. Yep. Uh, he is a man trapped in a tube in order to keep him alive, like a stasis tube, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, he is actually more of like a uh, formless entity. He has like, he at one time had a physical body, but he no longer does. And so the tube keeps his like, I guess, soul intact. Uh, Including when they do the Shattered Grid crossover between the new Power Rangers arc and the retelling of the classic arc. Uh, there's like a timey-wimey trans-dimensional story arc involving Lord Draken where uh, two Zordons meet. One is destroyed and the one gets like to stay kind mm -hmm. of thing. Very interesting stuff. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that, that is the overview. Um, what did we think of it? What were I guess let's do first impressions. Overall, uh, how did you feel? Before we dive into first impressions, I've got to say if I'm an like like a bodiless entity but I still have to stay in the <laughs> tube, it defeats the purpose of being a bodiless entity. It's like you're a ghost, but you're going to stay right here. Brutal. Sure. I agree 100%. Um but for first impressions, I had fun with it. I questioned the need for the whole system, but I I didn't you know, have a bad time by any means. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, I didn't mind it at all. It, it definitely was kind of like lukewarm for me. But it was familiar enough that it was easy to jump into. It was entertaining enough that it felt like a decent way to spend a couple hours playing. Yeah. It was fine. It was fine. Uh, yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. But I also think that, I don't know, not having much of a connection to the original source material definitely affects that in some way. Because, um, like, the things it was doing... I, th I don't know, I think the best comparison would be to, like, Marvel. Because that's the other big, like, franchise-based system that we've done. Because um, Cyberpunk is, I think, too vast to really include in that. And whereas I think Marvel, the system was so different from what we're used to nowadays that, like, there was still something, like, new and interesting there. Yeah. This felt just very 
same old, same old, and then with no real connection for me to the source material. So sure. it was fine. I really like the book and the artwork a lot. I what's that? Yeah, so I, I've kind of learned that like I'm like I wouldn't say a super fan, but I'm a big fan of Power Rangers, and um, so I'm trying to balance my my nostalgia with this review. But I guess it's not even nostalgia because it's like a current like of it. But overall, I had fun. I wish that it was better, and that's my first imp- impression. Uh, but yeah, so let's get into uh, unique features. So some of the things that I have noted here is obviously Zords, because that's awesome. Uh, assumed morality. In other words, you are good. You are playing a good character, and please do so. Um, the squad mentality of the fact that like you are a team that works coherently and consistently. Uh, and then the last one I have is no character death is allowed. I didn't know that. Everybody oh. is either unconscious yeah. <laughs> or... Um, they like go back to human form and have to run away, or I guess they could take actions in human form, but like you know. Yeah, but what are you gonna do at that point? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It kind of ruins the suspense a little bit. Yeah, if you know yeah. that there's no real consequences. Yeah, you better believe I'm running at every single door if I know there's no consequences. <laughs> I'll do it when no there more are. Fear of doors. So you don't want to see what I'll do when there aren't. I'm definitely <laughs> jumping out of planes that are far too high. I am going full halo on this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think I like that. Like the the idea that you cannot die. Because really, like, okay, oh no, we ran away. So we just go back and try again. Right. Presumably like, with a different angle. Presumably, yeah. but again, like that's there's no there's no loss there. Mm, right? Yeah, nothing to you, right? You could see it as like an ego loss of losing that battle, or maybe you'd have consequences and be like, oh well they the putties were now able to like blow up this section of town. A couple of people got but you still the way this game works, they don't want anyone getting crushed in the It's bubble, at least probably. the characters. They didn't say that like people couldn't die, it was that the Rangers couldn't die. Yeah. So, like, I think, yeah, you'd be looking at less impactful consequences because I find yeah. one of the biggest consequences people really care about when they're playing about tabletop is when bad things happen to their character, character death, or yeah. things directly tied to their character. Yeah. And so do I really care that I messed up this mission and a couple of civilians died that I don't know their names of? It's pretty hard to connect to in a tabletop scene. Well, and, like, so with that, I, I also think the idea of the the assumed or, like, given morality right Mm -hmm. and so i was was talking about this on our instagram recently and um talking about the idea that in this game you are power rangers so you're to do good and that is your your morality you do not get a choice and i i can see that people people would be like well where's my character autonomy but then i also think of like well but it actually just makes you reframe how you're playing your character because you have to make the good choice. But that can be because because of a dilemma that you're given of it's like, hey, you either can destroy the bad guy with one more hit or this civilian dies. And because you have to take the route of saving the civilian, mm-hmm. like you now have to navigate that situation and find a different way to either do both or go back at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sometimes having... Like, boundaries can make you more creative, right? Having a limited tool set sometimes, not always, can make you more creative. Other times, it can make you less creative. And I think this one would probably fall on both sides. Sometimes it would totally fit into your side where I'm like, yeah, this is a moral dilemma. I really have to figure out how to do this morally best. And I like trying to solve that problem. But then other times, I'm going to be like, why you got to bring morality into this? I just want to ignore that guy. It's one guy versus saving a thousand citizens. Is it like, can I not let this one thing go for the greater morality? I feel like at some points that focus on always focusing like, what is the best choice? Sometimes there is no best choice. And so that might force you to always make these moral quandaries that aren't as compelling or as hard to decipher as well. Like, I think it can go either way and it would probably just be situation to situation. Yeah, I don't know. I think from a role play standpoint, it does make it difficult for your character to have, you know, priorities, right? Like, you know, you get put into, you know, a situation where, like, you need to, you know, save your family or save this big group of people. You know, that that's a moral quandary that it feels like this game doesn't really set you up to have to make because... Yeah, neither one's really good. <laughs> yeah, right? So, like, I don't know how this game would even do that. 
right? And it feels, I don't know, it does feel like it's taking choice away from the players, um, which does limit, you know, role play in a way. Yeah. Uh, also, I, though, if you're playing Power Rangers, you probably want to play the goody two-shoes hero in some sense. Maybe not. I know I don't, and I will talk about that later, but... My take on the morality clause kind of limiting role play is that sometimes, yes, but also, like, I like how it can kind of create uh, more problem-solving opportunities, if mm. that makes sense. You can't like, just go for, like, the easy... You can't just always go for whatever would be the easiest way to the exit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'd have to, like, forcibly adjust your plans. Yes, I would agree it can take away your agency, but it's still kind of forcing you to act, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, you still have to go solve a problem. You just have limitations on how you can solve the problem. So, like, in some ways, you kind of have to be more creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then we have, of course, like, the squad mentality. Like, how did you guys feel? Like, it, it's really trying to sell that you are a team that acts in unison and, like, support each other. Did you feel that it did that well? I don't know if it really leaned into it, but that's a big thing that I believe in. When you're sitting down to play tabletop with a group of people, you have to accept that you are a party. That's why we're playing as a group. If you want to do whatever you just want to do, then you should probably play a solo games instead of being part of a group. So I'm always down to somewhat defer to group dynamics. But I feel like maybe also the session we played into didn't give us a lot of reason other than to be a group. And so maybe you could play with that a little bit more and see that. Cause like even we had one guy kind of technically being the lone soldier, but was still a part of the group right. because like, why would he go full solo in this moment? Yeah. It's kind of like a paradox in the description where it's like, you're the lone wolf, but you always wanted to be part of a team. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can, I can get that as an archetype. Yeah. But it's also like a little bit like odd. Yeah. How lone of a wolf am I if nine times out of 10, I'm still running with a pack. But at the same time, uh, most of the Rangers, it seemed had some kind of like skill to synergize with the team. Mm -hmm. Like the black Ranger had like the quips and stuff. Um, The green Ranger did have one, but it was like pretty high up in the level tree. Mm -hmm. It was like, after you got powerful enough, you learned like the art of working together with your team. So I can't remember what the buff was, but there was something you could do. Yeah, I don't know what Pink had because I didn't really dig that farther into the levels that I wasn't playing with. But even then, the fact that I could do these area attacks would allow me to clear out maybe a a bunch of the small minions while the rest of my team deals with the bigger stuff and things like that. So I think that most, even the simplest of the abilities did allow us to kind of work together. Some were very expressly that, some are more ancillary that. Like I would say it's probably overall still came across as the most team-based, right? Like, you know, if you're at D&D, Yes, there are there unless you're doing healing spells or buff spells, you're really not doing anything as a team unless you start adding optional rules like flanking and stuff like that. So I do think it facilitated the team building a bit. I don't know if I would say I was like forced into it entirely, but it was definitely there and easily usable to make you a better group or something like that. Mm-hmm. I uh, as you guys know, I often even though I'm GMing, I will make a character so I can go through that process, get my brain in it right. And um, I had made up a Red Ranger, and I thought he had a unique ability that I think he got fairly early on, and I think it was called After Me. And essentially, it asked you guys to give up um, a bit of your initiative. So you'd roll a d4, mm-hmm. it subtracts whatever you roll from your initiative, but gives it to the Red Ranger so mm-hmm. that he can do certain things. Maybe it wasn't the red, it might have been the gold, but it, you know, it's that idea that like, hey guys, let's try to do this as a team. Right. I mean, it's got one called Follow Me. That's what it is. Follow yep. Me. Yep. No, yeah. It's just like you said. That's red. Which also works for the Red Ranger, it's right? Kind of leader, leading yeah. into it and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then I guess like the last one that I'm like, I have not seen this in any other system, except maybe a battle tech or something like that, but I don't think it's the same, is the Zords. So what did you guys think of the Zords? I thought the Zords was cool. I don't know that it executed it as well as I think I was hoping. Um, yeah, I don't know. It felt like, oh, cool, we're going to join together and make this badass thing. But it really just came down to whoever had the coolest individual yeah. sword still ran the show. Yeah, I would agree with that. From a game, like if you're looking at it from a mechanical standpoint, 
especially if you have players who are going to try and like be efficient or like meta gamey. Mm-hmm. I would agree. They would be like, look at the attacks. Oh, that one has the highest damage. We're just gonna use that every turn. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Like I think the individual zords was cool. <clears throat> Um, like it, it did kind of give you that next level of like different combat, but the Megazord I felt was really kind of a letdown because it was like, oh, really, there's no point in my guy doing anything because he, he's weaker. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that is fair. Um, yeah, I, I think the benefit of the Megazord thing is at least it's not very long, so maybe that's also why, like, inherently in the show and everything else, you're probably not going to be Megazording for very long, so they wouldn't dive into it too much, but I think. Most of this system could use a second edition for sure, and I think the Zords, like from what you're saying, is yeah. a spot that they really could. Also, just the I don't know how to make a Zord. I tried to figure it out twice, and I was like, nope, I'm using my pterodactyl. This is not worth my time. And like, I, like, and that's in our slightly reduced time frame of learning this stuff. I really cherry pick the rules to make sure I'm only knowing what I should or I think I'll need to know in yeah. the time. So that might be a little bit different, but I still think I would have to dive in on that way more when like character creation was like super streamlined and everything else worked fairly quickly in that sense. But like, yeah, I feel like I would have to spend a lot of time learning how to make a mech, which also who wants to make one when you have pre ones from the show? Like, of course, I want to be the pink pterodactyl from the yeah. show because I remember that. Yeah. But well, yeah. and this is a point that I'm going to make later in our review. But like, if I was making a custom campaign, I think I would want to build my own. Yeah, that's fair. But if I'm trying to mimic the nostalgia of the earlier seasons, you're right. Why? Why would I? Mm-hmm. Now, Jaden, in um, I believe it was in our episode 100, you had mentioned that you actually thought that Zords were almost a better executed version of like the Starfinder ships and things like that. Uh, does that still resonate with you? Yeah, I think so. I The thing that I really like about the Zord rules is that it, it's, in, again, in where I like it, it is fairly rules light in a lot of places. Most of the rules are in your weapons and, the, you know, a couple of specific abilities that you can develop your mech through. But, like, it felt like it was, like, here's light combat in a sense. We'll do You'll do cool stuff. You'll do big damage. You're fighting big things. But there's no reason to add 80 extra rules on top of the combat rules we already have. It more or less seemed to roll into and you were just a more powerful version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the Starfinder thing is like, here's a whole nother thing to run this ship. And it's like, we could probably pull a lot of the rules from the normal combat rules we already know. And then yeah. we don't have to learn two separate systems and then have to get into the mindset of, oh, now we're in ship combat. Oh, now we're in normal combat yeah. kind of thing. So I like that streamlined sense because these things are things you're probably not going to do a ton of time like the zord time seems like it's the lowest amount of time in game so why have this expansive rule set just like kind of the ship combat in starfinder i feel like would likely be the least overall of time that you're going to be spending in the game but it had an equal amount of rules to like everything else yeah i do appreciate that the zord combat is like it's confusing. I'm not even going to pretend that it's not. Even the building of characters was confusing. But I think that when it comes to actually taking your turn as a Zord, it's actually pretty clean pretty, and crisp. Yeah, yeah. And yes, it does come down to, well, who has the best? But at the same time, like if you're all sharing that responsibility, that's what matters, right? So yeah. it makes it easy. Whereas mm-hmm. Starfinder was like, okay, let's talk it through. And it's like, well, I'll take this action because like I really have nothing else to do. Whereas this is like, well, we're all get to roll. So yeah, we're all yeah. gonna do something at some moment for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into character building. Uh, so the things that are in the character building that kind of help shape your characters are uh, your origin, giving you your kind of background as well as some skill benefits, um, and then you also have your influences, which is kind of similar. But in the sense that it's a little bit, it's a little bit lighter. So it's a flavoring to your character rather than like your whole background story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also, if you take more than one influence, you get what's called a hang up. So everybody gets one influence off the hop. But if you take more than one to get another perk, you get a hang up, which is uh, so. For instance, I have here. If you took the small town roots influence, uh, what you get is that you get to actually ask the GM if a choice is better than another choice. So, hey, I'm thinking about doing this or this, what should I do? And the GM will tell you. But if that's your second influence, you also get the hang up, which in this case is that you suffer a snag on social tests when you meet someone for the first time because you're from a small town and it's hard to meet people. I don't know. Yeah. 
And then lastly, the other thing for character building is, of course, your ranger, which in this case, the color is equal to kind of like your class from D&D. And so, like, your pink ranger is your kind of, uh, I, I guess it would be... Ranger. A ranger, yeah, ranger. Ranger. yeah, it would be the ranger, yeah. ranger rogue kind oh, of class. Yeah. Uh, your green ranger is like your fighter class, yeah. uh, things like that. So, uh, what did you guys feel about the overall <laughs> character creation? I think the individual parts of it really weren't that complicated. Like we, I think we, I think Jody mostly has said like it feels like they stretched things over the rules really wide. Like you could have probably taken it down to ten levels and it would still would have been great. So like the influences easy to understand, the backgrounds easy to understand. The, a few abilities like there's not a lot of abilities that are character specific but there is enough to give you a little crunch but the hard part about it was how they composed it all like I never felt like I was yeah. confused once I got to a part so like when I was like okay I'm picking my ranger okay I understand each ranger that's straightforward but I didn't know when I should be picking the ranger and then my stats yeah. were all over the place and I still don't know if I really did my stats correctly and stuff so like the overall moving through character character creation is probably the worst or one of the worst that we have played in in my opinion is so unpolished and so confusing but the individual parts aren't that complex so that's what's even crazier is it like i i shouldn't have been confused adding these simple parts together but somehow they wrote it in the the most confusing way to add these pieces that's my biggest complaint with this system for sure is the book is not laid out well at all like i agree i think this is the most confused other than maybe GURPS mm. that I've ever been as far as making a character. Because even, like, their language isn't consistent throughout. They mm-hmm. will use multiple terms for the same thing, but not explain that it's the same term. And if they do explain, it's in some other paragraph way earlier on in the book that you can't find it in. Well, uh, example coming to mind for me is, like, with the Black Ranger, I got what was known as a versatile weapon. The only reason I knew what versatile meant is because I assumed it was the same as in D&D, which means it's one-handed or two-handed. I never actually found the paragraph that said what it was called, and I used Control-F in the PDF to find it. I have no idea if it's in there somewhere, and just Control-F didn't find it properly because we were using a scan from a PDF, not an official one put out by them. But, like, I was baffled. Uh, personal power never found out what personal power meant and until I asked Ruin and he was like oh I'm pretty sure that it's your character specific ability but the phrase personal power only pops up on the character sheet and nowhere else Mm -hmm. Uh, it was very confusing and I felt stupid making a character for Mm -hmm. a Power Rangers game (laughs) and not that I wish to dwell upon stupidity because I don't think you were I think it really just speaks to the fact that this book is a mess it's yeah. absolutely a mess, and that's where my biggest disheartenment mm-hmm. of this is. Um, but Cade, you struggled calculating your armor. Yeah, your and Jody, you were like, I think this is how much health I have, but I don't actually know because it's not very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, your health is increased by conditioning, but unless you read the specific spot about conditioning, you don't even know that you only have one HP to start with, yeah. or, or even what it does, because it doesn't say plus one HP; it just says plus, plus one. one. Yep. Yeah. Well, and how does conditioning translate to me having more health? Yeah. Like it kind of makes sense, but it doesn't yeah. really. Well, and even like normally, you can chalk that up to like, okay, yeah, us three players, we probably just jump straight to character creation. Yeah. I know I do, and follow the steps. But even Ruin as the GM, who I assume read pretty much the entire book cover to cover. I read it page, mm-hmm. or page after page, cover to cover, because yeah. I was excited about it. Yeah. But got frustrated as I was reading it. But even when we went and played, and you were trying to figure out how we would... How something was rolled against... I can't remember what it was. Some alertness or So it was something. they wanted yeah. a skill test. And yeah. we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about um, the skill system. They wanted a skill test. They were like... If they give you this skill, which was on the character sheet, yeah. then give them this information. But then it was like, if they give you this other one, which was not on the character sheet because it was a specialty skill, yeah. give them this other information. Yeah. And in the end, I was like, oh, I can't find that. I'm just going to give you this information. Well, not even that. There was the time when someone was trying to hit us or something, and you were trying to make it operate like a skill save from D&D, or a saving throw. But that's not how it operated. But we had to take like 10 minutes out of recording to sit down to figure it out because mm-hmm. it was super unclear and the wording made it sound like it was one way when it was totally something different. Absolutely. But with that, guys, uh, number one, 
Uh, I, I'm out of coffee, and uh, the other one is we're we're getting a little amped up here talking about our frustrations. <laughs> so I'm going to take a refill. We'll be right back. Hey, table help players, it's Ruin here. We're just taking a quick coffee refill, and as we do that, we wanted to talk to you about some of the exciting possibilities that we have here in the Natural Twenty Cafe. Join with me to do that is my co-host Cade. Hey. I'm still Cade uh, from the beginning and now. Uh, we have some really awesome things that we would love for you to be aware of. First of all, we have our Patreon. If you like the show and would like to support us more while getting some extra goodies along the way, please consider checking us out on Patreon at Cantrips and Coffee. Uh, for a couple of bucks, you can support us while also getting some amazing bonuses like our exclusive Discord, some extra special side podcasts that aren't released anywhere else, as well as uncut episodes of this show show you're listening to right now we're even funnier if you don't filter us you can also join us on all forms of social media we are most active on instagram and tiktok and uh yeah we like to think we're funny and post funny things there and so uh join in on the conversation and who knows maybe look forward to a contest or something that we throw at you once in a while but uh with that i think those beans are being done brewing and we're gonna get back into the episode Orothane, a world of magic, machines, and mysteries. We join our crew of orcs, nerds, showmen, and robots to find what they're all looking for. Answers! Are robots alive? Where's my sister? Does mac and cheese have healing properties? Fighting beasts and pirates, we follow their journey, but look out! Death is on the horizon, as this world shows no mercy. Join us to see who lives and who dies on death by a thousand crits, where what's dead stays dead. A Sibling Revelry Entertainment production. And we're back, and highly caffeinated. Well, guys, let's get into the skill system. So we, we touched upon this earlier. Uh, this uses the Essence 20 dice system, or a rolling system, um, which... Uh, it was made by Renegade Game Studios to address these kind of Hasbro licensed games. Um, I, I would say the big thing that separates them from others is that you have a D20, you have a list of skills. If you have put points into those skills, you add a die to your D20 and those go in ascending. So you first start by adding a D4 and you roll them both, add them together for your highest amount. And then you go up to a D6, a D8, so on and so forth. Uh, if you have a specialty skill, you then roll where you roll all of your dice in the chain and take the highest result and add it to your D20. However, we also have snags and edges, which are advantage and disadvantages. Snags are disadvantages, edges are ad advantages. Plus, you have the dice shift system. And lastly, story points. So how did we feel about the actual, like, skill system added together? I like the bonus dice aspect. I think that's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, like, more exciting. A little less reliable, I guess. But more exciting than just, like, I have four points in this, so I get a plus four. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you get an extra dice to roll, which is always fun. Mm -hmm. um, Reminds me of the proficiency die from old school d &D. Yeah, That's what I was going to say from us playing with our buddy uh, yeah. over the summer. But I also kind of thought that the skill system itself was sort of half-baked. Like, it felt like they had a grandiose idea for it and then quit halfway or something. Because <clears throat> I had, like, I don't know, a lot of this time it felt like you might as well just have a high attribute number instead of the skill. Yeah. Um, and also the leaving the specializations up to us to create and then not yeah. having unique rules for the created skills. Partially. Wow. Because there were some that were created with the caveat of, but make your own. Yeah. And even the ones that were created, though, they didn't give you any explanation of how they should work. Right? Like, I took, because there's awareness, and then I took perception under awareness, and it felt like, why would this ever be different, and when would I need perception? Because you didn't even lay out when I would need perception versus awareness, and that's one they gave us. Yeah. yeah. I think that's leaving it to a point of too much openness. Like, I'm down to be able to figure stuff out myself, but when you leave me a whole system that's just figure it out, it's like, then I'm not gonna, and I'm just not gonna use this. Because yeah. I, I didn't pay you to tell me to make a game. I'll do that myself <laughs> when I feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, that, that's basically where I'm at. I, I I was very frustrated with this system. 
I'm going to use Jaden's uh, term that he's been I using love that lately. Term. It's so good. The hat on a hat. Yep. So here's where my frustration with the rolling <laughs> system comes. All right. So I got a d20 basic. Unless I'm not skilled and then I take it at a disadvantage, which, okay, sure, that sucks, but fine. And wasn't that disadvantage of rolling like 3d6? No, it was of, rolling oh, okay. 2d20s. It didn't give me a dice shift. But okay. so there, I've got my regular dice system that I can add dice to to make my result better. But I could dice shift, which is where instead of rolling a d20 as my base number, I go down to 3d6. Or I go to two or a d20 plus a d4. Plus then I add in my specialization of a d4. But then I could also have an advantage or disadvantage, an edge or a snag. So then I might be shifting my die while adding in more dice while then rolling with another die for advantage or dis... It's just too much yeah just yeah. pick one like all of those systems are compelling and interesting but when you try and mix them all together you're just building confusion if you were to have the regular die system plus edges and snags i'm there if you had the regular die system plus a dice shift i'm there you add all three together there were times when i was like i'm pretty sure i should give you one of these i don't know which one yeah and then if you tell me which one i every time i'd be like is that Dice, like, what am I doing? I don't actually know what those inherently mean yeah. at this moment. Maybe if I had played a long-term campaign, I would get into that groove. But I think I would be at least a couple of sessions deep. Uh, more than four, or, you know, four two-hour sessions deep. And I was still not sure what when Ruin said it. I was just like, just stay quiet until he tells you what to do. Because yeah. he will. <laughs> yeah. And, like, again, I don't know, to bring it back to being, like, compared to, like, Marvel, they also had, like, a shift system but that was really easy to understand. It was really intuitive. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, I'm going to shift over. Now I'm looking at this column instead of this column because they had that nice chart. But then when you are you have dice shift and snags and all this other stuff, like like you said, like it's too many half-baked ideas all piled on top of each other instead of just one really <clears throat> effective way to either benefit or hinder you based on how good yeah. of a skill you are. Yeah, I think they were trying to add depth, but only added complexity. Yeah. And you already have a target difficulty number that you're trying to hit. Yeah. So, like, that's actually another level of depth on there. Like, mm -hmm. if it's going to be more difficult, why don't you just up the number of difficulty? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing that I have to add to this section is in terms of story points. Um, this could just be from the actual story they gave us. They just gave out way too many. And yeah. so, if you're going to encourage me to use those, I would just use them more sparingly. They're a cool thing, essentially, because you can yeah. get them to do whatever you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like that it's like a group pool because we've played yeah. other systems like that where like there was a group, uh, like gods had like a group grit and something else die um, that like everyone in the group has access to. You pull it out. Cool. I like that shared resource. Mm -hmm. Again, it kind of lends itself to us acting as an actual functional party. But I agree, like, it gave out so many that, like, I started off as like, oh, man, is it okay, everyone, if I use this? So, like, by the end, I'm like, fuck it, I'm using it. Like, whatever. Yeah. We have, yeah. like, 40. Like, Pretty much, yeah. Every time you used it, we were going to get one at the end of the encounter we used it. Yeah. And so if we had been a little more aggressive and had used two every time, then, yeah, we would find that we were a little more limiting. But yeah. I never really felt like we needed more than one most situations. Exactly. Yep. I will say, though, I, I do agree. If it was in a different system, I would say give them out more sparingly. But I think for the theme of Power Rangers, where they have, it's good a 20-minute episode, they always win. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. It kind of makes sense. Like, let's let them succeed. There's still the tension of having to use the story points. I think, now. for me, like, the tension got taken away because you knew that you were going to get more, like, right away. Right? Like, I, th yeah. I feel like they wanted that to be, like, the clutch. Like, oh, man, the Rangers are down. And, like, they got a really, like knuckle down if they're gonna beat this big baddie but then instead it was just like oh we have we have three of these oh okay yeah i'll just use one oh hey cool we got another one back so it didn't even really matter yeah right it just yeah yeah and again that could be a totally like well that scenario just had it overwritten but it's like that's what they're using to show this system off so that should be their intention right yeah yeah i mean also though like in the talk of like using it from like a power ranger style there's a lot of stuff they leave to the discretion of the DM. Why don't you just say, like, we're not going to give out story points, but if a character has a compelling reason or the moment feels mm -hmm. right, let them just take agency and have control. And so, like, then, then it would probably feel a little more 
maybe it wouldn't be more sparing. I might use it just as often, but then I have like, it feels either justified or it feels like I have to justify it. So that might give me a little more, you know, balance on using those as a system instead of being like, here's just a point, use them whenever you want and run it out. Like if I can just use them kind of whenever I want with how many we had, why even give me a tally? Just kind of have this thing of like, kind of like Monster of the Week, how it said be a fan of the party. Yeah. You would take that just the next level forward and say the party has agency in the game every now and again. Let them just dictate how something is going to go. Or if they really want to punch that guy's head off, they can if they set themselves up with a little bit of planning to do so or something. Okay. All right, well, let's get into combat and encounters. You know, we, we actually, I think every episode, we had at least a little bit of an encounter, usually against putty patrollers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what did you guys think about the combat? I think that the low health system works good to bring tension to us. I don't like it so much when the enemies all have one health, like the basic minions. The first time you do it, it's kind of fun to just, like, smack their dead. Yeah. But once you know, and you're like, oh, if I can just hit this whole thing with an arrow barrage yeah. or whatever, they're all mm-hmm. done. Yeah. kind of takes a little bit of the tension away. Yeah. But aside from that, it... It's basically just D20 combat, so there's not really a lot to dislike. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like that, you know, one hit in the minion falls thing works really well when you also have some other bigger baddie. Because it's still, it's affecting your action economy, right? But when your whole thing is just like, here's a bunch of people, yeah, I'm going to throw a volley attack and I'm going to take out a bunch of them. Done, right? Um, I feel like, you know, the low health was like... Oh man, like this this might be like actually hard to like try and do combat until you realize that everyone's attacks do one damage. And then it's like, oh, I don't actually I'm not really that much at risk. Like, yeah, I only yeah. have two health, but like it's fine. My AC was also very sorry, not my AC, my toughness yeah. was very high. Well, so I didn't have to worry about it, right? Yeah. So I don't think I think one thing hit me the entire campaign. Uh you were downed at the end. Your, your uh, sword, my your sword was, was but I, yeah, my guy wasn't. Yeah. Well, and so, like, to, to go off those, you have four different styles of, like, armor, so to speak. Um, and it wasn't clear what each one was used for. Yeah. As well as, like, it said in the rule book, essentially, like, it's used for, you, you know, the, your call as a GM on what it should be used for. But, like, it really wasn't because it was actually tied to what they were doing. Yeah. And even then... I still don't really know what your social armor is. I like, no idea. you being bullied, you need to stand up for yourself. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Zord combat versus foot combat. What do we think about the difference there? Fundamentally, it felt like it was the same, but it was nice that like, okay, now you have these attacks instead. Yeah, you know, like you're now using different numbers, even though mechanically it works the same way. Yeah. It was a nice way to kind of change it up. Right, yeah, it's kind of like having like a hybrid form in like D and D, turn into yeah. a werewolf. Yeah, it still works the same way, but it's different numbers, so it feels different. Yeah, I never hate a transform scene where I get yeah. at least a slightly different ability. It's always nice to mix it up. I'll say I thought fighting the other Zord was more entertaining than fighting the on foot enemies. Yeah. yeah, even if our combat flow was the same, <laughs> I think honestly it's because like the bigger health pool, different attacks, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff just made it more engaging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was a custom monster that I created, which, so talk about my frustration as a GM for combat and encounters. There's only 12 monsters in the entire monster manual when there's literally hundreds that they could have pulled from. Um, Most of them, like two of the 12 are putties and Zed putties or Z putties if you're American, I guess. Um, (laughs) But um, so you have, you have 10 monsters. Half of those again are devoted to, well, this is his first form. This is if Rita makes him grow. Mm-hmm. And then there were no rules in the core book for how to create your own enemies. You had to go online to a free preview document from Renegade Game Studios. It's titled Preview. For what? I don't know. The system? Because if it was for the system, it didn't come with the rules. Mm-hmm. If it's for something that they're putting in the future, it should already be out. Yeah. So, And even that, it was like the most basic PDF, white background black text nothing special i just feel like for like the price of this book is fine 50 to 60 dollars the quality of the book is great we'll get into that later but like i feel like for the price i paid i should have gotten how to create an enemy and that's extra frustrating when we were just talking about how much it feels like they padded the system full of 
stuff that doesn't really add anything, they could have taken that page space and put in more monsters or here's like a framework to work on to create some kind of new big baddie. Yeah. Right? Like if it was a like a printing cost issue, which I doubt it considering again, like we're gonna talk about here, the quality of the print, you wouldn't have lost any page count if you took out some of these side rules and systems that don't add anything and just added in more more things to play with. Or even just squished in the pages, because again, I mean, this is, we can get into more, but yeah. the formatting, there's a lot of open space even in that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Something that I was frustrated as, a, as an observer of seeing you guys play your characters was that your speed of your character dictated the number of actions you got per turn, which I actually didn't mind. That makes sense. Yeah. But the problem was, is that like you only got one movement unless you sprinted, which gave up your standard action, which was essentially what you would call your attack, yeah. uh, or something equally as time-consuming. But then you got as many number of uh, free actions as whatever your movement speed minus two was. So standard, it's going to be a one free action for everybody who has at least a three. And there was tons of things that you could have done for a free action. But, like, why am I only limited to free actions once I've used my standard attack? Like, if I have a a speed of five and you're telling me I can only attack once, buddy, I'm super quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it, it did feel like, okay, we want to use the same, like, movement action, bonus action system from D&D and a couple of other systems, but we also want to be different, so you can take mm-hmm. more bonus actions, but your bonus actions don't really make a whole lot of difference, yeah. Yeah. right? So it, <laughs> it did clarify that drinking something was a free action. Ooh, yeah. It just, again, it felt like it was like they had two half systems, and we're just like, we'll throw both in. Yeah, it's yeah. fine, but not thinking about how it actually plays together. I did like that uh, if you gave up your movement, you could re-roll your initiative. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I think we only used it once or twice. First episode. Yeah, the first episode, it. and I think that was it. But Yeah, and then something we actually didn't use, which I also am kind of a fan of, was something that was called contingency actions. And that's where you could basically say to your GM, I will take an action if he does this. And then you wait for, like, you yeah. save that action yeah. for any time in the turn order. Yeah. Just preparing that, an action. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. that's just prepared action in yeah. D&D, but... But yeah. I did feel like, like, with D&D, there... And this is my knowledge. This is how I've played D&D with other DMs. Of Like, I don't know if there's a lot that you can do with a prepared action. Like, there's a few things. Pretty much this actually more. felt like you could do almost anything. Is that the same way? Yeah, it's it pretty much what depends on anything. how I guess people want to run it, but yeah. Yeah, the way that I've played it with other DMs and the way that I run it at my table is anything that would be an action, whether that's an attack or whatever, you tell me what you want to do, what's the trigger for that action. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to sit and prepare and I'm going to shoot an arrow at whoever comes through that door. Yeah. And then when somebody comes through the door, bam, you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or if you want to get more elaborate and be like, I'm going to try and shoot the guy in the face when he tries and attacks one of my buddies on the left or something, right? Yeah. And you can add all your contingencies to it. Yeah. As far as I understand, that's how it flows. In yeah, deep, as long but... as it's still an action and you're not stringing three, four actions together. Right. Yeah. Right. When he comes through the door, I'm going to pull this lever and then I'm going to stab him and then I'm going to push him into the thing that's triggered by the lever I pulled and he can't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're <laughs> just comparing actions yeah. all day. Yeah. <laughs> So, moving us along, you know, obviously, world building it is a, an alternate version of Earth mm-hmm. uh, with the main kind of fictional city of Angel Grove. In terms of creating a world in Power Rangers, how do we feel about that? Here's my, my big issue, and maybe I'm overthinking this. Everyone knows the Power Rangers exist in this world. Why are we not allowed to tell people we're Power Rangers? Why, why is that not a thing? Why can I not just be like... Hey, cop, I'm a Power Ranger. You should let me in there. Why do I got to be sneaky if you already know the Power Rangers are real? I mean, Zordon said so. Yeah, but I, why? I will <laughs> defend it in the, an interesting thing that I wouldn't have to say to such a comic book fan. Then why aren't most superheroes open about what they are too? My difference yeah. for that is that the enemies of superheroes are also on Earth and they're all over the place. The enemies of the Power Rangers, they're on the moon. That is a good point. Like, they do come down. <laughs> yeah. If, they, if there was... In the world of Power Rangers, there isn't really a threat to your loved ones, though there should be for that role to exist. I will also add in, and this is uh, seen in both the show and the comics, Rita Repulsa knows the identities of the Power Rangers. And in fact, in one instance, she does kidnap a parent. Okay, but if she, if she already knows it, why can't other humans know it? 
Because you don't want to be swarmed by the paparazzi everywhere you go. Like, I can't think of a great reason. Because I'm a Power Ranger and I can teleport. The paparazzi can't stop me. I feel like if I have the choice between being the Green Ranger and the Monster Energy Green Ranger with a sponsorship deal, like... Uh, I agree with you. That is something I've said, right? Like I said, if I was a Power Ranger, I'd let everyone know and I would use my powers for mundane stuff. You need a couch moved. It's morphin' time. Yeah. Like, absolutely. It doesn't make sense in the world in that sense. So it is silly, but yeah, I guess I, whatever they gotta do to sell their motif. I'll throw out there that I think something that isn't necessarily in here, I don't think it's limited, uh, but something you see in the comics is that they actually like fight monsters all over the world. It's not just Angel Grove, yeah. and I dig that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think that that's the thing, is if, if, if all I'm doing is playing in Angel Grove, I don't even really need to know this is an alternative earth i just know that i'm in a city fighting so unless i go around the world what's the point but in the one thing i think you said about marvel is the nice thing of it being more or less you could say it's alternate so you can add some things but more or less it's going to be the same Mm -hmm. it's really easy because then it's like oh i can just pick a cool spot for them to go oh you want to fight in london well we're gonna have you fight on the big ferris wheel oh you want to fight in cairo well guess who's gonna be in the pyramids yeah it gives you a lot of cool motifs to work with without having to come up with them yourselves or like shoehorn them into yeah. a fantasy world, right? You don't need fantasy London, you just use London. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if you could play with mm. this in, like, a timeline thing, right? Like, could you do Power Rangers in the 1800s? Could you do Power Rangers like in the future? Like, how much could you play around? I know the show d- has a little bit with it some does, stuff, yeah. But I'd be curious how much this system lends itself to doing that. They definitely do futuris- like futuristic settings in the yeah. show. Um, the, the game itself does not purport to be in any particular time era. Yeah. Um, in the comics, there's at least one team that is mentioned that's actually from the 1970s, during the Cold War. It's actually really interesting. Oh, that cool. slaughtered on I want the 60s. Five really years cool. Green Ranger. Yeah. I, want, I want free love and peace Power Rangers yeah. myself. Well, I guess it would be. It's the 60s, actually. It's not the 70s. Oh. It is the 60s. Yeah. Deadly. Cold War, peace, yeah, and love, peace and love, NASA. That would be funny. But yeah, like, that, that would be kind of a cool thing to experiment with. I don't know, again, how much the system lends itself to yeah. it. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? I... The thing that I want to, to mention in this, I think my biggest thing that I know Jaden and I have hit on multiple times in terms of world building is I'm over the campy morality of the system. I like Power Rangers for what they are. I find them incredibly hopeful, which is why I like to, to invest in them because they're, you know, similar to how some people read former comic books of like, they're just hopeful for the sake of giving you hope. But also, if I was going to play this or plan this as a long-term campaign, I'm adding some grit in it. I'm getting rid of the three Power Ranger rules. I am making it so characters can die. And I am making it so that there are real stakes and, like, tragedies and growth and things like that. Because ultimately, the Power Rangers are cool. But you know what's even cooler than that? One who almost dies and has to escape a death that's terrible. Or does die. Or even yeah. just has, like, now i got a one-armed Power Ranger and Zordon gives me a cool robot arm now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. <clears throat> yeah. Just a power blaster sword thing coming mm-hmm. out of a stump. Which, just... might I add, I, w- I felt that that was an original thought, but then I realized in the thing that I'm going to reference, I-, I think it's James Vanderbeek that's in it. He has a robot leg, and he's a Power Ranger, so I'm not that original. <laughs> well, and so, like, with this, like, This is where the comic books really shine, and I'm so conflicted, because this book uses art from the comics, or at least art inspired by the comics. It's not art inspired by the shows, necessarily, because I could show you, like, I can actually show you images from this, and the specific issue it's from, as I did my deep dive into the comics. But, like, the comics are grittier. They're not, like, you know, mutilation, gore, and blood, but, like, they are darker to the point where people die. There's an entire, like solar system that Rita subjugates and, like, takes over. Like, there's actual stakes there. Yeah, isn't there, like, a Death Ranger that wants to destroy everything because he believes it'll, like... Or he wants to destroy death so no one has to die again, which leads into doing very morally complex things. Yeah, and then, like, Lord Draken is what happens if Tommy had chosen to side with Rita, and he kills the Red Ranger, right? So, like, there is actual cool stuff in it, and I'm just like, so why are we doing this weird walking the line between the nostalgia of the very campy 90s serialized show Mm -hmm. and these comics? Like, pick a side. 
Yeah, or even descend from one into the other, right? It's cool to start and be this idealistic group, but as the fight drags out, just like with anything, right? When you're new soldiers on the hit, hitting the beaches, it's not that crazy. But then yeah. three years in, you I love seeing that where you look in the past and you see soldiers from their first day to yeah. the last day of the war or whatever, like the next time they had a photo, and they age like five years yeah. from the stress. And I feel like even... Some of the stuff we were even dealing with in this isn't that crazy. But watching my buddy get turned into a cardboard form of himself because he's dehydrated yeah. is going to make me a little more anxious, I feel like, the next time I fight something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I'm all right. But yeah, I think, like, we don't... Yeah, like I said, it doesn't even have to go full dark, but at least go superhero dark. Like, this is superheroes. That's what yeah. Power Rangers it is. It really is. So Let's on, play in the yeah. realm of superheroes. So on a side note, I was trying to figure out, like, what genre is this when we look at Super Sentai. So, like, the idea that, like, Godzilla is the kaiju genre. And so, like, I was looking into it. And I found out, I was like, is it just called Sentai? And I was like, no, no, Sentai is this other type, which I forgot the name of. But, like, I was like, okay, so what's this other type? And it was literally, like, superhero. Like, that's the translation of it. Yeah. So, and then Jody and I were having a good conversation about, like, it doesn't feel like Americanized, westernized comic book superhero, but, like, I get that it's a superhero. It just feels off somehow. Yeah. Anyways, that's a side tangent. Um, accessibility. How accessible is this system? I mean, if all of us, after all the systems we've played and we say how experienced we feel in playing tabletop now, we're at least confused, you know, 10, 20, 30% of the time can't imagine it's a very accessible system like yeah i think if you want to play power rangers you'll slog your way through it but i don't know anybody who's gonna just be like this was such an easy system to learn i think you said it best earlier when it was like the individual rules appear simple but when they try to fit them all together that's yeah. where it gets gray yeah there's yeah. a lot of shoehorning it feels like yeah yeah i also Unique. think go ahead i also think not even from like a <clears throat> hard to learn standpoint but, like, the morality restrictions and some of the, like, a certain rangers can't do certain things and others, like, have to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Some people, I think, like, wouldn't necessarily like being shoehorned into some of the stuff. So mm-hmm. even not from, like, a hard-to-learn accessibility standpoint, but from a would-you-be-interested-in-it-at-all standpoint, some people might be turned off by stuff like that. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Uh, you need to have some wicked reading comprehension skills. If you're going to play this game, because it, the, the, it could have benefited so much from a copy editor just going through and like, hey, why do we have three terms for the same thing? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, just a, a revision edition. Yeah. Doesn't even have to be a full on second edition, a revised, yeah. uh, which we've seen in different editions. Zvihander had a revised edition. Yep. Monster of the Week had a revised edition. Like, it's just a thing that comes out. And to be fair, this is. Um, you know, eight months old at this point, mm-hmm. but I also feel like the, the things that we're seeing as problems are ones that you should have caught post-production. This, oh, sorry, pre-production. It reminds me, <clears throat> it reminds me of a full price early access game yeah. where it's like, you can see the potential, but it clearly needs some patches, but it's a physical book. Yeah, they're so not going to get, get the patch, yeah. get the buy it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, part of me was going like, you know, I think kids would really enjoy playing this. I don't, I can't imagine trying to teach a kid how to play this. I I think it just has a level of difficulty too far. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think that this lends itself well to people who have never played a TTRPG. I don't think Mm -hmm. it lends itself well to even people who are well versed in TTRPGs. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't want to just be like, this is a bad system. Because there's parts of it that are really cool. And there's parts of it that are good. Mm-hmm. But it just... It just falls on its face. Yeah. Like, the, the phrase earlier was that was thrown out was half-baked. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, I th- we all seem to have a good time with it to the extent we did. But it, we could have had an easier time having that good time, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we've kind of touched upon it now. But in terms of quality... Um, I've brought the physical book here because I, I, I really, like I said, I really enjoy this game. To me, it's a good shelf piece. I would love to get somebody to play a campaign of it. I don't think it would be like more than playing through that campaign. I don't think I would. But like, you know, I, I'm proud to own this piece. Uh, so you guys passed it around. What did you think of the quality of, uh, number one, like the book itself, 
the printing and layout on the inside, and we can talk about both the physical and the PDF. Um, overall thoughts and impressions on quality. It's um, sure. Get it. uh, it's it's a really good printing. Like it's quality paper. the The cover is a really nice matte finish. The art in it is fantastic. Um, the The screen is like the heftiest, <laughs> most well like built screen uh, that I've seen for a TTRPG. And the art on the screen is really nice. The, the art on the screen is also fantastic. The art in this whole thing is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some issues with th- how they use their space. Um, some of the pages with their art, they could have fit you know, more information and wording around the art as well, but instead there's just big white spaces. Um, yeah. And I think the planning of the the prints. So, like, the reality is, is most of the games that we play on this show are PDF, yeah. just because it's far easier. It's often cheaper to yeah. get a hold of. Um, and so, like, when we had a PDF versus we had the book, and we started with the PDF, we were halfway through recording when I got the book. You guys didn't see it until today. Um, the PDF, because of the the layout, where they're often doing images spread over two pages and down the center. Uh, you would just be scrolling and there'd be these weird blank spaces. But if you looked at it in the book form, it actually made sense and was a, it was visually appealing. Mm-hmm. I just feel like if you know a lot of your audience is going to go with PDF, which I think when you're in the tabletop RPG like industry, you have to accept yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You have to make artistic choices or layout choices that complement the fact that you're doing both. I think for yeah. me, the biggest... Um, I don't know, like the biggest offender with that is the charts for weapons because mm-hmm. they're split over two pages. Yeah. Charts should never be a double page spread because when you go to a PDF, you have half the information and yeah. it's a pain in the ass to sit there and count like, okay, I know that this is the fourth item. So I have to count have down on this chart and hope that it's right. And it's, it's a pain. Yeah. And the equis- the equipment system, I didn't really understand that well either. I wasn't really yeah. sure what I was supposed to be starting with beyond my bow. So then to add that on me having to then split the charts to even get through it, I'm like, oh, this just got way more difficult when it didn't need to be. Yeah. 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 I think my overall thing I would say about the quality of it, it's very much flash over substance in a sense. The quality is really good. They clearly spent money on getting a good print run, which makes sense. This is a fairly sizable company that has money to throw at it, but it seems like because they just had money to throw at it, they didn't put the time that a lot of other developers do into figuring out how to not only have a really beautiful book, but the best way to have a beautiful book. I think they just stopped it. Let's make this as pretty as we can. And whatever it looks like past that point, like functionality wise, we're not worried about like, yeah, they were just seem to be really focused on the art, which makes sense. This is a, you're trying to sell the nostalgia of a visual medium. You're probably going to dump the most of your money into the visuals of the book. But especially when we're playing tabletop, Though I love great art, it's also kind of the least useful from a gameplay standpoint, right? Yeah. Like, especially unless I'm sitting around a table with my friends to show them the art. If I just end up having to explain the art to them, like, it's going to be the same thing anyways, so. In terms of content, there's two areas that I am so frustrated by. The first was the, the monster creation tool. Should have been a pack-in, should have been in there. Um, but the second one, though, is... So you have the ability to multi-class from your standard, is it five ranger colors or is it six? I think it's six. Yeah, six. So black, blue, yellow, red, pink, and green. However, you can multi-class into a light spectrum shift into a white ranger. And then they mention in it that more rangers will be coming in future expansions. And I'm so frustrated because number one, different colored spectrum rangers are already out in the media. In fact, in Mighty Morphin, they had the Gold Ranger. I think yeah. they have even a lot more. I remember us talking about it and me Googling, and I think there's a, like at least a handful of different spectrum shifts at this point. None that I know of, but like, I but they, they, they exist. exist. Yeah. And so, like, off the hop, you're telling me that, like, hey, if you want something cool, that's awesome. Wait for more money. Right? And so, like, I'm so frustrated that you made this choice uh, to actively tell me that you're going to try to sell me more product in the future. Which, obviously, living in Western society, I get is the point of capitalism. But give me some illusion that this is a complete set. 
don't tell me that you've already sold me something that's half done. Yeah. Yeah. I, and so, like, and it's the same thing, like, of course they're going to add more monsters in future editions. I would expect that. But to give me 12 monsters? Yeah. And, like, two of them are the ones you want me to use time after time? I'm going to get bored. Yeah. 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 All this, like, like you said, we're in a capitalistic society. All of this is for money. No one, build, most people don't build systems for free. But a lot of them build it for the money and the passion. And I'm not saying that the creators of the system or the people who did the ground level work aren't hyper passionate about what they made here. But I do think at the end of the day, stockholders got to decide this stuff. That's whose opinion mattered most at the end. How can we make the most money off this system? And then they went with that route. And so like, I, I get that that's a big thing. And every business at the end of the day, I don't care. You can tell me that you do it all for passion. I don't know anyone who will do anything for free. So like that's reasonable, but I would hope that money isn't your only main priority. Have money and making a good product be your main priorities, and I'll give you money all day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, guys, with that, um, let's get into our final kind of say of who is this game for? Power Rangers super fans. Yeah, honestly, I don't know who else should really pick it up. Like, if you like Power Rangers, you'll probably at least figure out how to have a good time with it. Outside of that, I can't think that if you've never seen a Power Rangers episode or have no interest in it, I don't know why you want to play the system. Yeah. Like, I had fun with it, but I even, like, I have the nostalgia of Power Rangers, and that probably helped me have a little more fun with it. If I had never heard of Power Rangers, I would question my interest in said system. Yeah. I do also even just have a tough time saying that it's for Power Rangers super fans, because, like, Ruin will will not attach this label to himself, but he is a Power Ranger super fan, <laughs> especially compared to the rest of us. And like, it seems like, and maybe you've said it, but like, it seems like you were disappointed with this. Yeah, I I think disappointed is harsh. Underwhelmed, underwhelmed. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And and the fact that like, I like it. I love the idea of playing a Power Ranger, but the system itself just needs so much fine tuning. That like, I feel like it's probably going to come in their their expansion that they're releasing like uh, next week actually at the time of this recording. That like, I wish that would have been available eight months ago when they released the first edition because you obviously knew what you were doing. And even like I've watched videos of Renegade Game Studios themselves like trying to teach people and hype the game, and like they don't even appear to be 100% certain about what they're doing or how to word it to people. Like, the person running the game, I'm sure she's super knowledgeable about it in those videos that you can find on YouTube, Mm -hmm. but, like, her ability to tell other people was defined by how it was in the book, and beyond that, it was kind of just, like, a rephrasing of that rather than a real explanation. If they weren't attached to Hasbro, I would wonder if they ran out of money. Is kind of what it feels like. Like it feels like okay, we only had enough time to get the art for these twelve characters, these twelve monsters. We don't have all the spectrum ships, but we need profit coming in so that we can make the next thing. But because they're attached to Hasbro, I can't help but feel but, like Hasbro would still throw money. But even it. that, these guys are still responsible for kids on bikes. Yeah. Plus Vampire the Masquerade, they deal with. I don't know if it's the core rule system or if they just or like push. just like extra stuff for yeah. it. But like. They're not new They're to not, making no. games. No. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, it feels like an indie publisher that ran out of money halfway through a project. And we're like, we need profit coming in so we can make the rest of it. Yeah. But that's not yeah, the they're case. They're not indie in yeah. any capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I guess with this, like, I would also agree that I think it's for your super fans who really want to dig into Power Rangers and somehow have a group of friends who are equally into it. Uh and with that, they're still going to have to do a lot of fixing yeah. to make it work coherently. Yeah. I guess, I, you know, I'm going to ask it. Final thoughts. Would you guys play another game of Power Rangers? No. Yes. I would. I wouldn't, like, buy the books to play with somebody else. But I would play at least one more session to try out a different ranger. Just because I thought the green ranger was kind of, like, powerful, sure, mm-hmm. but boring to play. And the game was inoffensive enough, I would play it again for like a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. I'll dive into my opinion on that a little bit more in our espresso, I believe that. Yeah, in our, yeah, in our espresso. Um, but yeah, like I think I would like to play more and dive into seeing where I could take Power Rangers because I think that's the only real use of this system is like, hey, I know what Power Rangers are. Now, how can I subvert it while still being Power Rangers? Like we said, make it grittier, give some actual moral dilemma 
or things like that, or even just like Kate said, take it somewhere really wacky. Let's see yeah. what Victorian age Power Rangers yeah. looks like. But okay, outside of that, cool. if you ask me, yeah, Jack the Ripper is one of Rita Repulsa's like minions. That yeah. would be awesome. Absolutely. But outside of doing those, if you ask me to play another mission the way we like we played another published one or something that's going to really stay with the campy style of Power Rangers, I'd probably not be that interested. I'd play with a buddy to be nice to him and probably still have a decent time, but. Yeah, if you're asking me to play it as the system seems to exist, I'm not the most interested. I do plan on playing another kind of version if I ever can someday, because I have bought the expansion and just waiting for it to arrive. Mm -hmm. uh, even with that, though, I'm probably going to just take out the three Power Ranger rules and make it uh, more gritty. Yeah. I'm also probably going to add in characters can die, things like that, because yeah. I think for me, that's what would make it even more fun. Yeah. I would play that game if you invited me, but as written, I wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if, if Ruin was like, hey man, like, I really need somebody to play Power Rangers. <laughs> really he, need. If he, like, you were like, okay, I have no one else, otherwise we can't play this game, you'd have to buy me a case of beer. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, with that, that is our critical look at Power Rangers by Renegade Game Studios. But for now, I'm out of coffee and that means it's time to go.